to us. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolph fans? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, we are back at it for another day of Miami Dolphins football. And what a fun one it was. The long ball was out in full force. We had another new orange jersey wearer. Is that a word? We have some dominant performances to get to. We'll hear from Coach McDaniel and Tua Tungavailoa, two excellent press conferences. All of that and a heck of a bunch more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins Practice on June the 2nd, Thursday, was our second straight day on the field and got a chance to see who won the orange jersey from the previous day, which was Javon Holland. We'll get to that here in just one second, but I want to give you guys the image of how I got to watch practice on this particular day. One of these things is not like the other. Across the top row of the bleachers at the Baptist Health Training Complex, Joe Rose, we all know Joe Rose, legend down here, Mike Westoff, an NFL coaching legend, and another South Florida legend, OJ McDuffie, and then me. <laughs> so I'm just chilling there, getting notes and tips from true experts of the craft while taking in a very spirited, exciting practice. Literally, my happy Gilmore happy place. And we have lots of notes to get to and some pressers. Let's go ahead and kick it off here first with the practice notes. Then we'll hear from quarterback Tua Tungavailoa and head coach Mike McDaniel. And we started yesterday... <clears throat> on the defensive side of the football. So today, let's go with the offense. And I'll provide further context here at the quarterback position in the next segment since we heard from Tua today. But strictly from my notes, I noted early in practice that I thought Tua was really seeing it well. The ball was coming out quickly, on time, and on target. And I think that was kind of the theme of the day, as we'll hear from Coach McDaniels. He explains it really well, and I think as well as anybody in the world possibly could during his Thursday media availability. The three things that I saw from Tua that I liked on Thursday was the anticipation to get the football out to the spot and get it out quickly. And we saw that play out on the two long passes, a 55-yard touchdown and a 69-yard touchdown, both of those to Tyreek Hill. I, I think they were touchdowns. Tua said at the end of practice that they might not have, the 69-yard sec, the one might not have been, but they scored two plays later, so he was happy with it. But both to Tyreek Hill and just... Man, how quickly he gets on top of the defense. It's it's jarring. And frankly, I think that jives with Tua's strength of anticipation and getting the ball up and out early. Again, Coach, will discuss that here in just a minute. And you think, well, that seems like a great idea to have that skill set with the quarterback to go out and get a guy like Tyreek Hill who can get there early, as Coach talks about, one hitch timing to get the ball out quickly and to be able to put the ball 50, 60 yards downfield. And Tyreek is already there because of that great speed. I also thought for Tua that ball placement was on the money, and Tua will discuss this as well, how he was not pleased with his ball placement on Wednesday, but I think he really bounced back in that department on Thursday. On air, early in practice, the ball was just, I mean, it looked like you would place, it was the ball was where you would place it if you went up to the receivers and handed it off. Something we talked about with Tua's Bama tape, right? Like 50-yard handoffs over and over again. And finally, 
There was one play where Jerome Baker came clean on a rush, and Tua threw the back leg out. What I mean by that is the back leg kind of whips out to put himself in position to escape and to move, because when you're on the balls of your feet and you're kind of surveying things, you're not as ready to move, so get that back leg out and get yourself in a position to get off the spot, and he did just that, got off the spot and escaped the rush, and he rolled and found Jalen Waddle on the move into a tight window and uh, just really, really good example of all the skills that I think that he he offers in spades in that regard. He also had another play later where he managed a muddy pocket and stepped up into the clearing, into the avenue within that, you know, crowded pocket and delivered a strike for a first down. So good anticipation, light feet and accuracy. Those are a few of the hallmarks, I think, in his game. And to see him have all of those working for him on this day here in early June That was pretty awesome. And then Tyreek, we talked about him a little bit, but man, the release package, the ability to quickly threaten the safety and kind of widen the defense and just change the way they have to play things. We saw it all day on Thursday. He also caught two balls one-handed on quick hitters, including a touchdown that eventually he dunked over the goalpost. Separation in the shallow, intermediate, deep portions of the field, it really doesn't matter. At running back, Chase Edmonds had a very nice catch where the ball was up a little bit and he had to elevate to go get it. He reaches up, pulls it down, then comes back to the grass and just looks like he didn't lose any speed. Just ridiculous athletic ability, balance, acceleration, all that stuff. I thought John Lovett, the fullback, had some nice blocks in the running game on Thursday. And speaking of the running game, up front, Connor Williams was getting some really good push of his own in the running game. Some pin and seal work from him was really nice, created some gaps in the running game that way. And same for Liam Eichenberg, who I've noted a few days of practice now, getting that good push in the running game, coming off the ball and hitting his blocks. And then finally, I thought Kellen Deesh, the UDFA from Arizona State, had some of the same. Curious to get a better look at him as we go along here. Finally, the tight end room, Mike Gasicki made his typical nice stabs that he makes, just a reliable target. And plus, as coach talked about yesterday, he really works his butt off in the run game as a blocker. I thought we saw some of that as well on Thursday. On to the defensive side of the football. And, you know, the offense got things going late, but I thought the defense had it going early. And it starts up front with number 94 and number 92, Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer. Both of these guys, like, I could note them, on just about any series that they're playing in and just about every day. It's pressure against the passing game, stack and shed against the running game, penetration against the running game as well. In fact, one play, Christian Wilkins blew through the line and the play had to get blown dead almost immediately because he was back there ready to greet the running back at the same time as the handoff. And OJ McDuffie, who I watched practice with, just says, man, Wilkins is special. I'm like, yeah, I, I agree. And we know what he does in those departments, but I continue to also be so impressed with his just effort and willingness to play with his hair on fire. He was chasing a play one way and the ball winds up coming back out the other way and just gets on his horse and chases it down until the whistle blows. That that effort is contagious and it shows up every single day. And then Zach Sealer, just immovable for much of the day, consistently gets the job done by whether he has to plant himself there and, and help take on blocks or go get the football. Whatever he needs to do, he typically does it and does it well. I thought Benito Jones had his second nice day of practice in a well, a few play in a row, few plays against the run where I noticed him coming out of the middle of the stack and after getting penetration early on, or at the very least, not allowing any knockback from the offensive line, which, you know, you, you want to, that's kind of the neutral zone. You want to knock them back. They want to knock you back. Go get it done. And Benito Jones was getting it done today. The linebackers, I thought, also had some really good work. Jalen Phillips 
had a would-be sack early on. You know, it's tough to gauge sacks because they don't actually finish the play, that you're not going to get guys hurt and go tackle people out there. Uh, Andrew Van Ginkle was all over the field playing his side, pursuing the backside. Like, there was a play where they it was ran away from him, and there was a strong edge set. I think it was Zach Sealer. I, I, I'd have to check on that, but it wouldn't surprise me. And he basically strung the play out and so that Van Ginkle could run from the backside and get over there to make the play to get the whistle to blow uh, behind the line of scrimmage. So straight up, going backwards, going forward, Andrew Van Ginkle looks like he's in midseason form. Jerome Baker had some pressures. Darius Hodge for the second day in a row had a would-be sack. I, I had a note about Cameron Good with some nice pass rush moves and one in particular where he got Teddy Bridgewater off the spot. Uh, DeAndre Johnson, the UDFA from Miami, the U, got in the notes with a nice run stuff. And then Sam Egwavon and Duke Riley were both in there a couple of times playing fast and aggressive, and they made their fair share of plays. And they, they celebrated a lot together. Like, you'd see a play get made, and they would dap each other up and come over to the sideline, find each other. It seems like they're getting along pretty well. And then finally, the rookie. I thought Channing Tindall was very smooth on this particular practice. Like, you know, if a young guy is going to struggle, you'd expect like false steps, wasted movements, but I didn't see that stuff. Like he seems to really be flowing downhill and just knowing where he's supposed to go. And that speed obviously shows up on a down by down basis in the defensive backfield. I, I think second straight day where the defensive backfield might've, might've kind of won the positional unit of the day. Javon Holland was in the orange Jersey and frankly, he might be in it again for the next practice. Him and Brandon Jones, you know, I'm going to keep referring to Juice here because he made a note during practice about how dialed in those two guys are. And you see it in the individual drill portion of practice. Like they lead their position group and the first guys up to get up there and go do their reps. And you see their typewriter feet, their quick reaction skills. They secure the football and catch it and put it away. The way they communicate with each other, how they move and react to the offense, how they fly around in team period pre and post snap, their interchangeability we know about. And, you know, individual team period it just they appear to be dialed in in all aspects and that's in line with what we've heard from them you know from the coaching staff from their teammates and guys that have been around them last couple of years just the ultimate consummate pros and now that they're in year two and year three I'm excited to see them go and, and take it another level Javon's playlist I heard some Drake I think there was some R. Kelly in there, some Tears for Fears. It was a pretty good mix, a, a nice mix of new school, old school, and everything in between. I think there was some Kanye at one point, maybe some Little Wayne. Uh, a, a good mix from Javon Hall, and I like the playlist. Um, so the offense did a lot of that damage later on in practice, but early it was the defense with a lot of wins. And honestly, I thought it was you know more coverage sacks than uh, protection breakdowns. I mean, you get your fair share of everything out there at practice, but the quarterbacks had some times and, and guys were just covered up downfield a lot. I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, the DBs getting it done. And uh, one thing that's cool to see is how the offense and coach McDaniel mentioned this the other day in practice about the different combinations they want to roll through in terms of, you know, certain guys playing with, with other guys on the offensive side of the football and, and vice versa. And so they, you get like a variety of matchups that makes it, you know, intriguing to keep an eye on, but also just obviously benefits, you know, the more looks you get, the more, the more you can kind of learn your football team. But uh, between Holland, Jones, Needham, Igbenogany, Trill Williams, Verone McKinley, Elijah Hamilton, D'Angelo Ross, and Quincy Wilson, all those guys got in the notes today. And Quincy Wilson had a really nice breakup where he drove on a pass to River Craycraft and batted that thing up into the air. And here comes Trill Williams for the interception. Verone McKinley had his hands on a ball on a diving attempt on a pass that was uh, intended for, I think it was Cedric Wilson. And he dove for that thing and couldn't quite squeeze it in. But And, and Javon Holland reacted big time when he saw that, like, oh, I want my boy to get that one. He didn't quite pull it in. But all those guys made plays and found their way into the notes. 
And finally, I tweeted about this, but Mike Westoff, we know who Mike Westoff is, right? He was a longtime special teams coordinator here, 32 years in the NFL, and Morstead was, was punting. And we talked about him on the Wednesday podcast about the way he was pinning the ball inside the five-yard line from right around midfield or so. They had him, he was punting while both fields were being used from one sideline to the other sideline. And so like a 53 and a half yard punt, right? He was putting the thing right on the other sideline, like every damn time. It was so impressive. And Mike Westoff said, in my 32 years in the National Football League, I never saw a better punter than Tom Morstead. I was like, that's pretty high praise, coach. He also said he's a great holder. And speaking of field goals, Jason Sanders, for the first time that we got a chance to watch him kick live, was 7 for 7, going from PAT range back to 53 yards. And Mike was a big fan of his technique, too. He said, there's, there's, you know, there's no excessive movement, short steps. He's got a short stride. He compared to a golf swing where he says, you don't want to see a lot of movement in there. And that's what he saw with Jason Sanders. He was very impressed. And also mentioned again, that Morstead was a tremendous holder. And of course, Blake Ferguson putting those snaps on the money to get those things down. So another fun day of practice. We have one more next week to cover. We're going to go a little more uh, media coverage as far as the things we have not gotten to the last two days, because a lot of players talked and I couldn't get it all on the podcast, but I want to cover that and some more of your mailbag questions as well on the Monday edition of Drive Time. But for now, let's go ahead and take our first break and get to the media. Just two today because they're long. Mike McDaniel and quarterback Tua Tungavailoa next here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by Auto Nation. Segment number two here of the Thursday edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, covering another day of the off-season program of OTAs out here in the month of June, getting closer and closer to the start of training camp. But in the meantime, we heard from QB1 to Otunga Vailoa on this Thursday, and he addressed the two practices here back-to-back in a bit of a, I suppose, a bounce-back day. And he discussed how he assessed his performance over those two days and just how critical and how hard on himself he can be of himself. Well, yesterday's practice wasn't up to the standard that I know our offense can compete at, uh, and it obviously starts with me. In particular, there, there were some ball placement uh, deals that I, I didn't particularly like uh, yesterday. I think yesterday was a lot better. There's still some things that you know, weren't up to par to our standard, uh, but I think it was a lot better from an offensive standpoint. So there from the horse's mouth, I mean, we talked about the ball placement and just how good it looked on Thursday and really something that has stood out through to his college and pro career as a strength of his. And you've heard Coach McDaniel and players talk about the accuracy. It was nice to see him get that calibrated back in and hear, hear him talk about how much he felt he improved in that area and how it wasn't up to his standard on Wednesday. How about how hard he is on himself and just where he got that from to be critical of his own game? I'm pretty hard on myself every time. Um, whether it's throwing a ball where it needs to be or pre-snap operation, you know, guys aren't set, guys aren't where they're supposed to be Um, because in order for the offense to function, we all got to be on the same page and in order for us to execute at a high level, you know, we got to do things at a high level. So um, I got to be hard on myself. Um, You know, Mike's Mike's a little different. You know, Mike, Mike (laughs) Mike is always trying to encourage you and trying to, you know, keep you, keep you going so uh, for me it's it's a little backwards where I'm, I'm used to myself you know getting hard on myself and the coach getting hard on me too whereas I'm getting hard on myself and you know he's trying to tell me hey you know it's gonna be okay like you know we're we're only in uh, May we're only in June you know there's a lot more time to grow but 
And of course, the follow-up to that is how has it been for you to have a coach like that that you're playing for? It's been cool. It's been different. Like I said, I've never been around a coach like this uh, who's just extremely positive. Um, growing up, you know, my dad's always been hard on me. Uh, my high school coach has been hard on me. Coach Saban's been hard on me. Um, and all the coaches that I've had prior, you know, they've all been hard on me. So uh, he's hard, but he takes another alleyway, if, if you will, on kind of uh, teaching and helping. And we saw the two long balls to Tyreek Hill. Here's Tua talking about the timing with Tyreek Hill. And if there's a play outside of the long balls, it stuck out in terms of how it shows off their timing together and how far along it's come. You know, it, it's, it's pretty cool having a guy like Tyreek, but you have other guys that are, you know, extremely talented, very fast as well, you know, that kind of help out with, with Tyreek being open. You have Waddle, you have, um, you know, Gasicki. So everyone has to cover every part of the field, and I mean, it, you know, it should be a lot easier to, to get these guys the ball. Although, you know, playing against our defense, it still gets tough. We'll talk to Tua here in just a minute about playing against that tough defense, but there's a few questions here I want to go ahead and skip over and just cover real quick. Uh, talking a little bit about how coaches encouraged him to come out of his shell and how he feels like he has shown glimpses of coming out of his shell here and there. Talked about his playlist, about uh, some Hawaiian music, some Eiley Brothers, some Return of the Mac, uh, some Casey and the Sunshine Band, some country music, some Shaggy on his playlist. Also talked a little bit about having coaches or people in his past who were hard on him or the encouraging aspect of those coachings or the coaching approaches, I should say, and which he thinks he responds better to. Great question, I thought, and a really good answer here from QB1 to Atunga Vailoa. Well, I think I've been playing football uh, for so long to where the standard has been set for me at such a young age with the way my dad, um, you know, has kind of coached me. And then even at the college setting, you know, I was more afraid of what my dad would have to tell me after the game than uh, Coach Saban. And it still is a little like that, uh, you know, in the NFL. But for, for me, it's just I have it embedded in my, in my mind that regardless of how another coach feels about the way I, I practice or, or I play, you know, I know what, what I'm capable of doing. And Tua was also asked about playing in different offenses. I mean, at Alabama every year there was a new OC he worked with, and now heading into his third year and his third OC here with the Miami Dolphins, he was asked about going up, or I should say rather, about the playbook and learning the third offensive system in as many seasons. And he talked a little bit about the study habits or things that he has kind of worked on to get himself ready for those particular offenses in particular seasons. He talks a little bit here about how he goes through his process. Really cool stuff here from QB1. Yeah, I would say uh, the study habits. I, I got a whiteboard at home that I just write, write down all the formations. I write down all the motions. And I have my brother or family member uh, or someone that's at my house, you know, kind of tell me the formations, tell me the motions. And then uh, I guess what I'll also do is I, I invite the guys over to my house and we, we walk through plays, we walk through formations, and we barbecue. You uh, food, yeah, the, the snacks don't work with them. I love the whiteboard in the house. Same thing for me as a kid, uh, keeping track of NFL and MLB standings, and then also nowadays uh, covering the Miami Dolphins with my whiteboard. So uh, you and me, Tua, you and me. Speaking of me and Tua, here is my question for Tua about the defense that he talked about earlier and how going up against this defense can help improve his game. It's really good. Uh, it's tough because they know what to expect uh, a lot of the times with what we're running. 
uh, whether it's a play pass, a run play, uh, gap scheme run plays, um, you know, downfield passing. So, you know, third down has been tough for us against them just because of the uh, variations of zero that our defense has and runs. Uh, but, you know, that's what you want. You want a challenge. All right, there you go. You can see the entire interview or, or media availability with Tua Tungavailoa up on the Miami Dolphins YouTube channel. We have daily content for you guys there. So check that out and subscribe once you are there. Going to take our last break and come back here on the other side with head coach Mike McDaniel. Back here on the Thursday edition of the Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, wrapping up another day of June practices here of minicamp on June the 2nd, this Thursday. Let's go ahead and turn now to head coach Mike McDaniel's media availability. And he start off being asked by the jacket he was wearing, the zip-up hoodie type jacket he had. And he talked about the reason he does that is so he can help keep in tune with what the players are going through because, well, he's not the one running around out there and trying to get an idea for just how hot it is. Otherwise, you could lose sight of that and maybe do too many reps, cause some soft tissue issues, all that crazy stuff or, or nonsense, as he put it. So interesting perspective there from Coach. Next, he was asked, and I love these questions because, you know, we're all passionate about football, right? Like we, we love this game. We love being fans of this team. That's why you're listening to this podcast here on the Miami Dolphins podcast network. But we all feel that way, but there's a different level of that with when it comes to your profession. And I love when coach talks about like his love for the game and getting to this position and a professional dream, as you'll hear him describe it here in just one second. How much do you enjoy walking out on that field? The reporter asked, you got a nice little hop on there uh, when you get out those doors, don't you? You talk about a professional dream, you know. I think one of the things that um, is a competitive advantage just in life is perspective. So, you know, for I made a lot longer walk to to go watch Denver Broncos training camp and rode on the inside of helmets. So, yeah, it's enjoyable. Um, the responsibility is real and, and great. Um, so... Uh, I have to be deliberate in reminding myself that because you can get swallowed up in um, all the things that you have to do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun, especially, and, it, and it's a credit to the to the organization, the coaches, the players. It's a fun place to go to work. Absolutely love that comment about a longer walk to go to Denver Broncos training camp and wrote on the inside of helmets, you know, for fun. And now this is his job and it's a shorter walk to the practice field. Next, he was asked about his perspective on Tua Tungavailoa and his performance the last couple of days here at Dolphins practice. He's, he's practicing. I'm, I'm really excited about the reps that Tua is getting in this offense. Um, I'm excited about where he's at. Um, today was... Uh, I t like I talked to him, I talked to the team, and I talked to him today specific specifically about, um, you know, I've just been waiting for those moments where you have uh, a slight obstacle. And two is very, very critical on his ball placement, and he's a very accurate quarterback as a result. Yesterday he had some throws that he, he demands better of himself. But uh, like I told everybody else, that. Uh, Today was the first day I got to really evaluate Tua because that's, that is professional quarterback in the National Football League. You're going to have things that you don't execute to perfection. You're going to have people um, talking about how you're not performing. And guess what? No one cares. It's about leading. Um, and he had a ton of energy. And I was very, very happy with 
his effort today because it was um, one of the million reps you need at that position to handle, um, you know, the, the scrutiny, the pressure, all that stuff. And I think uh, his teammates have really noticed a difference um, in him. He's opening up. He's kind of coming in his own in that regard. And he had, he's been unbelievably coachable. He's let his guard down. Um, and we've been able to uh, keep his confidence high, which it should be right now for sure, um, while correcting him and getting this game better, which is the ultimate goal for everyone. I mean, you guys know my favorite part there, obviously, right? The discussion about the playing the position of quarterback in the NFL is about how you respond because it's not always going to go well. And I just loved that. And we go back to last year with, you know, not just the numbers and the data we have from uh, CK Parrott on Twitter has a great couple of charts that he posted about Tua's completion percentage, touchdown passes per attempt, uh, first downs per attempt, and NFL passer rating. 109.7 in the fourth quarter was among the tops going back to 94, and so too was the first down percentage at 39.63%. His 8.5% touchdown rate was also tops, and his 76.34 completion percentage was also tops in fourth quarter among all quarterbacks since that time. We saw the Jets game, the interception come right back with a touchdown down drive after that pretty good stuff saw more of that today coach also discussed there a little bit to a kind of coming out of his shell and, and being less guarded he was asked about is that something that he noticed or something he was told initially when he got here here's coach McDaniel talking about Tua, their relationship and just how Tua acts around his teammates it's projection from it's what I've been told from a lot of people and then I've noticed since he's been in the building a difference from then and now since, since we first got here and since April 4th started, um, you know, there's, I've noticed that directly and then people, a lot of people have spoke on it that we're seeing a different side of him um, and he's kind of coming into his own as a young man in terms of his personality and, um, you know, it's, it's, again, I can't state it enough. Um, I don't think people give, give that position its due for how hard it is, you know. Um, yeah, there's a lot of acclaim. You get a lot, you get a, a lot of free dinners when you go out to eat and things like that. But everyone has an opinion, and you're in charge of delivering the responsibility and executing from the snap the football to every player on on the offense, um, and and doing it with. You know, defenses these days are so multiple and they present so many problems. And oh, by the way, you're doing all this. And if you are indecisive, you are going to have your helmet hit off your shoulders because, you're, you know, it's a physical part, too. So um, th that's that's why I'm so pumped. I know all of he, he's um, gained all of the new players on our offense, um, new to the Miami Dolphins organization. They're new to Tua like me. I know he's gained the respect um, that you can feel it. Um, players know when they're around good players, and uh, and it's been very cool to watch um, him and the rest of the rest of the team really um, grow together because we've gotten a lot closer um, in these six OTA, two mini camp, um, and two voluntary mini camps um, that it feels like light years ago when we first started. Next, I thought Barry Jackson had a really cool question about the 
process of play design and creativity and how most plays in the NFL have been seen before, but trying to find something new that hasn't been done before. And he also followed up asking, do you ever write plays down on a napkin? Coach McDaniel talks about his iPhone notes app, which that's where I live myself. Let's go ahead and just hear from coach right here on that great question from Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald. Because of my specific background and the, the court coaches I was fortunate enough to be around, um, the being creative, creative and innovative um, is something that I think is part of the job. That it's it's natural for my brain to look at things that way, um, to the point that I actually you know have to be mindful of pulling back, that I don't get bored. Um, you know, something that uh, my 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 previous boss always gave me a hard time with because I'd always be trying to do the next and I haven't mastered that yet. So I've been um, when you're trying to install a new system um, to a group of guys uh, you want the bottom line is you could have the coolest plays that ever existed but if the players don't execute them your plays are not cool Um, so systematically been trying to really um, push forward uh, having a core basis make sure all that stuff is uh, you know you have a working basis from with which you can grow Um, and outside of that I'm not really looking to innovate um, anytime until you're getting through your core portion of the training camp. Um, but yeah, it, it doesn't ever leave. You're always, I have my um, iPad or my iPhone note app is my go-to. Yeah. And sorry, I get sweat in my eyes. Um, the, so, my, so I'll write down um, whatever play I'm referring to. And if it's that abstract and there's no word for it, um, I usually just put some symbols. And uh, that, that, that's my note taking maybe one or two in the morning um, in bed when my wife is being annoyed that my, my screen's too bright. And he was asked about the symbols or potential emojis he uses in those instances. And he talked a little bit about the old school symbols, underscores, front slashes, backslashes, trying to create a triangle with a front slash and a backslash. To me, it's just all funny. I I love hearing this stuff from Coach. Next, I asked Coach about the competition between he and the play callers on the field, uh, or signal callers, I should say, the guys that communicate the call from Josh Boyer, which Coach clarified for me. Here's Coach talking about the competition between he and the defensive signal callers. Well, this isn't a – there's no player coaches, so they are are, um, passing along the play call, but Josh is still calling it. Uh, But – yeah, that's a that's a fun part of the process. You try to uh, approach it in a way that you can allow your players to play, um, and and while challenge them to a degree, um, it's impossible not to go through the process of what what you're expecting. Um, so it's always interesting to to guess and check with no stakes and be like, hmm, yeah, I totally thought this was coming. Here's why. Um, it can be a very valuable process um, if you approach it that way. I think. Um, Josh and I uh, work very well together and we talk through that stuff so you can kind of um, see how people view things from the other side of the coin um, and, and it's fun to see how the, the, the players respond because every other play you see in practice when it's not um, when all the players aren't off the field you know guys have the night to prepare they're, they're sitting there and looking at what it is um, there there's no preparation because up until that period you know, I don't know what I'm going to call, and neither does Josh. You know, but that, that's a fun, it's a fun process. Um, that, just like everything else in football, you're almost. 
I don't know. I don't get that excited when stuff works because then I'm like, okay, there's going to be a humbling experience coming in here soon, which is the nature of our business. Let's go ahead and finish up here when Coach was asked about the confidence that he has in Tua to accurately deliver the deep balls like we saw on this practice, a pair of them to Tyreek Hill. Here's Coach. So you're saying there was a good deep ball today? Were you pretty confident that it would be completed? There's a couple. Um, yeah, I'm. Here's the thing about a quarterback that I always think it's funny um, that like you can only design plays that you can. The quarterback has time to throw, and generally, within the time of the play, from a historical perspective, you can't get a receiver down the field past. I don't know, 55, 60 yards when in what we call one hitch timing. So it's about you have to have a prerequisite arm strength to be able to throw it 60, in my opinion. And then if you're not going to be able to anticipate and you have to see something happen before you do it, you probably need to throw 70 because you have to wait to see it and then the receiver gets down further. Hopefully you have the protection. Um, the way, way we've always operated since 2005 when I got, got in the league is if a quarterback can see the defense um, and is accurate, then you just see if he can throw it 60 yards. I think he, he might have had a 55-yarder today, but um, that's why you hear no uh, cause for concern at all from the players because they know that too. Like he's, he's plenty fast, and the great thing is he sees the field. Um, he has, he's, he's not throwing the ball 85 yards but um, I don't see the practical application of an 85-yard thrower unless you have the best offensive line in the history of football. And a defense is poor to, um, poor to uh, add on rushers um, when you're max protecting. Yeah, the one-hitch timing discussion there, talking about how to get the ball downfield and how, you know, I think what makes the highlight clips a lot of the time is, you know, guys breaking the pocket, scrambling around, flinging the thing, you know, 50, 60 yards downfield and those big plays are what get on the Twitter or social media clips on the NFL highlight shows. But more often than not, it's a, it's a snap, it's a drop, it's a quick step up and a fire downfield and a receiver winning the route pretty early on to get that ball vertical. Really cool to hear Coach's perspective on that. All right, let's go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Two practice podcasts here in the book this week. We'll have one more for you guys next week. Also on Monday, your mailbag questions, additional media availabilities ahead of our final off-season program practice, which I think is on Tuesday. Then it's on to summer break, and our content will bridge that gap between then and training camp. It's almost here. In the meantime, it's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. You can follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and OJ. Travis Daniels, a great episode this week, and they have a great episode coming for you, I believe, next Tuesday. Coming on the pike here. Also, our Twitter Spaces show every Wednesday at 8 o'clock. The YouTube channel for all these media availabilities, Dolphins Today, as well as all those drives time interviews we did with all the new additions here in free agency and last but not least miamidolphins.com until next time fins up caroline daddy's coming home